Well, good morning and happy Wednesday, everyone. It is September 14th at 7 a.m. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening, and this must be Roadmap to Heaven. All of those ingredients have come together to make another hour together possible this fine Wednesday morning. Let's begin the day as we always do in prayer. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular, for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is a beautiful Wednesday morning here at our studios. The uh, You know, there's a building just outside the window. It's a red brick building. And every now and then when the sun hits it just right, it appears to be glowing. It's just the way the trees fall and the shadows that the sun just pokes through some trees and hits this building and it jumps out at all of the other ones. And, you know, it's not that that building is any more or less special than the other ones. It's just in the sun's light. And so, pop, there it is. And one of my favorite analogies for how anything we do is spectacular is that we're like the moon or like this brick building, right? You know, it's not that we give off our own light. The moon doesn't give off its own light, but how incredible does the moon look sometimes? It's that the moon reflects the sun's light. It's that this red brick building reflects the sun's light. So, uh, you know, instead of the S-U-N sun, we can reflect the light of the S-O-N, the sun, the second person of the Holy Trinity. And uh, we could look amazing and spectacular. And again, not to draw attention or glory to ourselves, but to point back to the source of all of that, God, you know. Are we going to live our lives in such a way as to do that today? Today is the Feast of the Triumph of the Holy Cross. It's a day that I very much love because I've said it here before. I'll say it again. I've said it many times this week. The roadmap to heaven takes us along the way of the cross. There is no getting to heaven for us without Calvary, without our Lord offering himself a perfect, unblemished sacrifice on the cross. And uh, what the ancients viewed as a sign of torture and a sign of just absolute horror, what what a terrible death it was to be crucified, is now a sign of victory, a sign of joy, a sign of hope, that we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our sufferings can have a redemptive power. It's just a beautiful, beautiful day for me. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later on with... uh, Father Jeffrey Kirby. We're also going to tie in tomorrow's feast day, Our Lady of Sorrows, and our conversation with him. Crystalina Everett's going to be on the show today, wrapping up our series about purpose. You know, what is our purpose? How do we find our purpose? And, you know, today we're going to talk about setting healthy boundaries. That's part of living out our purpose. We also have Father Timothy Vaverek with us again today, continuing to talk about salvation. And uh, I've been enjoying these conversations. I think today is going to be just another great one as well. All of that and more. Uh, For whatever reason, I I don't know if our email filter uh, (laughs) decided it didn't like the weather today. Um, We don't have the weather for you this morning. But I can tell you right now it's in the 50s in pretty much all of our listening area. And it looks to be sunny or just partly cloudy 
in all of the listening area. I would presume we're going up into the mid-70s, but, you know, you probably ought to check out the weather app on your own um, or or get your weather on your own because I don't want to tell you one thing and have it be another. But the good news is we do have a reflection on today's feast, the Exaltation of the Holy Cross from Mike Roberts. So let's go to that now. Today is the feast day of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. The cross Jesus died on was discovered when St. Helena, mother of St. Constantine, traveled to the Holy Land, where she built churches and worked to help the poor. The site where the cross was found historically had been an area of worship by Christians, but in the second century, a temple dedicated to the Greek god Venus was built over that spot. St. Helena ordered the Greek temple torn down to be replaced by a church, but in the process of tearing it down, a hiding place for three crosses and the inscription Pilate had ordered was discovered. According to the ancient historian Socrates of Constantinople, a dying woman was touched with each of these crosses and healed by the third, and that was the evidence used to determine which of the crosses was the cross Jesus died on. One-third of that cross was sent to Rome and placed in a basilica, another third to Constantinople to protect the city, and the third part was left in Jerusalem and placed inside a new church ordered by St. Helena, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. During the Byzantine War from 614 to 630, part of the true cross in Jerusalem was taken by a Byzantine emperor as a trophy after Jerusalem was captured, but was returned 15 years later when he was defeated by Heraclius. Around the year 1009, another invading army charged into Jerusalem and ordered the destruction of the Church of the Sepulchre. So Christians hid that cross until the city was retaken by soldiers of the First Crusade. Today, we remember the dedication of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre with the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross. St. Helena, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Our catechist question is about the sacrament of marriage. Who are the ministers of the sacrament of marriage? Who are the ministers of the sacrament of marriage? Let that be a clue to you. It's plural. It's plural. I didn't say who is the minister. I said who are the ministers. The answer, the husband and wife are the ministers. The priest or the deacon represent the church, but the husband and wife are the ministers of the sacrament to one another. If we go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1623, we read, According to Latin tradition, the spouses, as ministers of Christ's grace, mutually confer upon each other the sacrament of matrimony by expressing their consent before the church. In the tradition of the Eastern churches, the priests, bishops, or presbyters are witnesses to the mutual consent given by the spouses, but for the validity of the sacrament, of their, of the sacrament, their blessing is also necessary. So in both cases, Eastern church and the, the Roman rite that we are in, the Latin rite, um, according to Latin tradition, the spouses are the ministers, you know, and uh, it's a beautiful thing, often celebrated in the context of the holy sacrifice of the mass, um, you know, one of my favorite things in this section of the catechism is talking about marriage in the order of creation. And it's paragraph 1603 is just absolutely beautiful. I want to read it for you because it's just that good. The intimate community of life 
and love, which constitutes the married state, has been established by the Creator and endowed by Him with its own proper laws. God Himself is the author of marriage. The vocation to marriage is written in the very nature of man and woman as they came from the hand of the Creator. Marriage is not purely human, is not pure, a purely human institution, despite the many variations it may have undergone through the centuries in different cultures, social structures, and spiritual attitudes. These differences should not cause us to forget its common and permanent characteristics. Although the dignity of this institution is not transparent everywhere with the same clarity, some sense of the greatness of the matrimonial union exists in all cultures. The well-being of the individual person and of both human and Christian society is closely bound up with the healthy state of conjugal and family life. I want to read that sentence again. The well-being of the individual person and of both human and Christian society, human and Christian society, not just Christian society, human, is closely bound up with the healthy state of conjugal and family life. Paragraph 1604 goes on, God who created man out of love also calls him to love the fundamental and innate vocation of every human being. For man is created in the image and likeness of God who is himself love. Since God created him man and woman, their mutual love becomes an image of the absolute and unfailing love with which God loves man. It is good, very good in the creator's eyes. And this love, which God blesses, is intended to be fruitful and to be realized in the common work of watching over creation. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Why have a question about marriage on this Feast of the Holy Cross? Surely we could have had a question about the Holy Cross, and that would be well and good. But I cannot help but think of something Doug Barry said to us a few weeks ago when we were talking about the role of the husband and the father. And gentlemen, I want to reiterate this again. You want to know what your vocation is as a husband and a father? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. We are called to lay our lives down in love and service of our Lord and of our family. You know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. For man is created in the image and likeness of God, who is himself love. Since God created him, man and woman, their mutual love becomes an image of the absolute and unfailing love with which God loves man. Now, notice how it doesn't say the uh, honeymoon lasts forever or that every day is just the the biggest bouquet of roses and of chocolates and of other sweets and all of those wonderful things we remember from our courtship and, and early on in our marriage. Sometimes it's going to be suffering. The way of the cross is suffering. Sometimes marriage is hard. Ask my wife. She'll tell you it's very hard to be married to me sometimes. Um, but we do hard things and we endure hardship for the greater love that ties us together. It's a, it's a beautiful beautiful thing. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll be joined by Father Timothy Vaverick to continue talking about the role of salvation. And then a little bit after that, Crystalina Everett and Father Jeffrey Kirby will be with us. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with you in just a little bit. And by the way, before we go to the break here, uh, 
be sure to tell your spouse that you love them. Maybe send them a text message right now. Just say, hey, I love you. Send them a text right now. It's a good thing to do. A prayer for priests. Oh, my God, help those priests who are faithful to remain faithful. To those who are falling, stretch forth your divine hand that they may grasp it as their support. In the great ocean of your mercy, lift those poor unfortunate ones who have fallen, that being engulfed therein, they may receive the grace to return to your great loving heart. Amen. Precious blood of Jesus, protect them. We're continuing our week-long conversation with Father Timothy Vaverek about this idea of rediscovering our salvation in Christ. And Throughout the week, we're going to be talking about that theme of not just being saved, you know, salvation being saved from the fires of hell, but salvation really being saved for union with Christ, what we like to call the beatific vision, or as I like to say it, I just want to go to heaven. You know, I want to be with our Lord for eternity. Yesterday, Father, we looked at this through the lens of marriage, that we are all the bride of Christ. But as any married couple knows, every now and then, Maybe with more frequency, maybe with less frequency, every spouse out there has a knucklehead moment where they do something that upsets the other spouse. The degree of it can vary from situation to situation. We don't need to get into all of that. But every time that we sin in our relationship with Christ, there is a call to conversion. And you've got a a great Scrabble word for us today, and that word is metanoia. So what is metanoia? And, and how do we live it? And what does that have to do with everything we've been talking about? Right. And this is a principal reason I wanted to write the book, because in having forgotten the fullness of salvation, we don't really know what to make of that word metanoia. It's translated repentance, conversion, or penance. And so it's the word that is used, repent and believe in the good news. But when we hear those words, we think of conversion as having turned from not being a believer to a believer, repentance as someone who's turned away from a sin, and penance as something burdensome that we do. But metanoia means a total change, a turning around. And for the Christian, it is a turning around by which we turn away from our selfishness, our sin, and our error in order to enter more deeply into union with Christ, and to put on, as St. Paul says, put on the mind of Christ, to be clothed in Christ, and to share Christ's life. So metanoia is our Christian life, and that ongoing conversion that has to take place, which he describes in Matthew chapter 6, when he teaches his disciples how to pray, how to fast, and how to do penance. Prayer, he is inwardly moving us and turning our heart and mind to himself, fasting or self-sacrifice, by which He is in us, moving us to turn away from our selfishness and pour ourselves out with him. And almsgiving or works of mercy by which Christ is alive in us, turning us and moving us toward others and to reach out to them with love and mercy. So it's the whole of metanoia, is the whole of our Christian life. And most of us don't understand the word conversion or penance or repentance as encompassing the whole of our life. I think of my kids and how every now and then we'll go for a walk through the neighborhood and they'll start to get maybe too far away from us. And we have to constantly say, turn around, 
come back. You're getting too far away. And sometimes I think that's sin. You know, I, I'm getting too far away from God because I get distracted by, oh, I want this or I want that, even though I know it's not what I'm called to. It's a rejection of God's will. And it's so beautiful to think that God, like that parent, constantly says, Adam, turn around come back. And it's not a one and done. If you miss your opportunity to turn around today, you've missed it forever. That that invitation is given to us each and every day of our lives. Yes. And we can always turn more deeply. For a Christian, it's not just a matter of sin or avoiding sin. The reason the title of the book is, As I Have Loved You, because he says we are to love in the same way. And that requires more than just avoiding sin. It requires a transformation by which we come to share fully in his life. In the midst of our imperfections in this life, for almost all of us, not Mary for sure, but that is the call of metanoia. It is that fullness, of the abundant life that he talks about having come to bring us. Well, I've got a little spoiler alert for all of our listeners today. The spoiler is tomorrow we're going to talk about purification because it's one thing to want to be close and to turn around or, or even just to grow deeper in love. But that might mean that there are some things in between us and the Lord that have to be removed, and God has a plan for that as well. So tomorrow we're going to talk about that with Father Timothy Vaverek. Until then, Father, this has been wonderful. I look forward to talking more about salvation with you this week. Thank you, as do I. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer for the holy souls. O Lord Jesus Christ, King of glory, Deliver the souls of all the faithful departed from the pains of hell and from the bottomless pit. Deliver them from the lion's mouth, that hell not swallow them up, that they fall not into darkness, but let the holy standard-bearer Michael bring them into the holy light which you promised to Abraham and his seed. Amen. Two things we always love here on Roadmap to Heaven. Talking about the Blessed Mother. We could do that every day of the week, and that'd be just fine with me. And we also enjoy talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby, and we get to do that every week, and that's also just fine with me. And, Father, today we're talking about two things very closely united, uh, and maybe not seemingly so. The triumph of the cross and the Blessed Virgin Mary. So let's start right at the beginning. What do the two have to do with each other? Yeah, so I think in this uh, month of September, uh, you know, as we've spoken before in, in previous shows about how every month is dedicated to, to something, there's some devotion, and the month of September is devoted to uh, our Lord's Passion and to Our Lady's Sorrows. And of course, we have beautiful feast days in this month to highlight this. And, and the feast days and, and, and the September observance, all these emphasize uh, this point that there's a connection between our Lord and Our Lady throughout their lives, but especially in Our Lord's Passion, that everything Our Lord suffered, Our Lady spiritually suffered as well. So we speak of the Passion of Our Lord and the, the glorious sorrows of Our Lady. And, and there's this connection. And liturgically, we observe that because we have the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross, so the suffering and the, really the hour of Our Lord in which He's glorified. And then we have the sorrows of Our Lady, and, and the two feast days are follow each other, right? So September 14th, Triumph of the Cross, September 15th, Sorrows of Our Lady. Again, showing this connection. Uh, I'm always very moved when I think of Our Lord's passion and, and, and all that, that was inflicted upon Him, and to imagine that, you know, the body He had, the blood that was in His body that, that brought forth our redemption, He received from Our Lady. So 
other than an ordained priest in the Holy Mass, the only other person who could ever say, this is my body, this is my blood, is Our Lady, as she literally sat, stood at the foot of the cross and watched her son brutally tortured and felt everything, as, as Simeon says in Luke's Gospel, that the sword pierced her own heart, that everything he underwent, she simultaneously shared with him uh, in, in a spiritual way. And I think that powerful connection is helpful to us because you know, we're invited to a similar connection with our Lord, a, a similar intimacy with, with the Lord Jesus. And I want to say it was Father Donald Calloway that talked about this, and I, I just thought it was fascinating. When a woman conceives and is carrying a child in her womb, there's that exchange of blood that happens through the umbilical cord. And one of the things that happens is there's actually there are cells from the baby that then end up in the mother's bloodstream and then boost her immune system so that if she gets sick, it's actually the cells of the baby that are helping her immune system fight the illness. So when we talk about how our Lord is so closely united with the Blessed Mother, her flesh, her blood, he's saving her not just spiritually, but quite literally physically in the beauty of creation and the beauty of science. But we digress for a moment here. So Father, one of my favorite hymns, Stabat Mater Dolorosa, at the Amen. cross, her station keeping. And I imagine if the Blessed Mother is at the foot of the cross, we're called to be there as well. Absolutely. And I love that image of Our Lady standing there at the cross. And you can just imagine like the, the strength of spirit, uh, you know, the uh, fortitude of heart as she is standing there. Like she is going to be there with the Lord Jesus as all hell is breaking upon him. And she's there. And, and, and I don't like the images that sometimes show Our Lady crestfallen and, and besides herself and crying and wailing. And I think the Stabat Mater has more of a reflection of what we see in the Gospels that she knew and was prepared herself for this. Like this was her vocation and that she was going to be there and be the strength and, and a source of, of spiritual consolation to the Lord as he underwent his passion. So I love the image of Stabat Mater. You know, one of the things I've been reflecting on as we lead up to this celebration is that giving of the Blessed Mother to us at the foot of the cross through the beloved disciple, John, and behold your son, son, behold your mother. And so if Jesus is her son and he's on the cross suffering, it's only logical to conclude then that if we are her children, when we suffer, who's standing right there with us in prayer, interceding for us, but the Blessed Mother? Amen. Amen. And, and Adam, we can even take that and extend it that when we are walking with our loved ones who are suffering, because oftentimes our, our own hardship, our own sufferings are difficult enough. But then when a parent has to be with a child who's suffering or a spouse who's with a spouse who's suffering, oftentimes that image of Our Lady, the Stabat Mater, there beside her loved one who is suffering can give us as Christians great encouragement as we are trying to accompany our loved one as they are suffering. So I think there's so much power packed in the image of our Lord's passion, his triumph with Our Lady's sorrow. And remember, we're speaking of triumph here. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, you know, this has, we know the good, the, the, the good news here. We know how this concludes. This, this has a happy ending, right? An eternally happy ending. So, but, but I think that there's a lot of lessons we can draw from there as Christians. Uh, Passionately, I've oftentimes gone to the image of the Stabat Mater when people are with loved ones who are suffering, when we're suffering, that we can unite ourselves to the Lord uh, in, the, in these uh, very spiritual and real ways. 
I think it's safe to say that if we want to get to heaven, you know, aside from dying in a state of grace, which is the one vital thing we can't remind you enough, you cannot be in a state of mortal sin when you die and go to heaven. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession, this is your reminder, you need to go. But the way to heaven, the roadmap to heaven, if I could use the uh, the show's title here, passes by the foot of the cross. But as you just said, the foot of the cross isn't the ending. So if we draw near to the Blessed Mother and as St. Louis de Montfort so beautifully expresses, if you're with her, you're with her son. If we stand with her at the cross in our own sufferings, odds are good we'll stand with her as she reigns as queen of heaven and we'll be with her son who will take us to the Father and it will be eternal bliss. Amen. And we see in her an example of what it means to be a disciple, to be united with her, know and love her, served our Lord better than she did, and to be united with her as we also seek to love and serve the Lord. All right. Well, Father, before I ask you to close us with prayer here, the uh, the term I was searching for, fetal microchimerism. So uh, those of you that want to go look something up on the Internet today, it's a really fascinating thing. But the moral of the story is draw close to the Blessed Mother and uh, don't look at the cross as a sign of sorrow. Look at it as a sign of triumph. If we can freely turn away from sin and accept God's grace and God's mercy, we'll be in a, a great place. Father, could I ask you to close us with prayer? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, for the opportunity of our salvation. We ask that you allow us to share in his triumph as we also are willing to walk in his sorrows. We ask you to continue to fill our hearts with your Spirit. We ask these and all good things to Christ our Lord. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's always a joy to have Father Jeffrey Kirby with us here on Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which Thou intended me to become when Thou created me. For in Thy perfection I will give Thee the glory Thou desirest of me. And in that perfection, I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. We're back talking with Kristalina Everett this week. We've been talking about the purpose God gives us in our life, the obstacles to that, the weaknesses we have to overcome and work with God to overcome because we can't do it without him. And so maybe you've recognized your purpose. Maybe you've identified the obstacles and the weaknesses that are keeping you from getting to that purpose. But one of the most difficult things is that we live in a world where it's sometimes hard to know. You know, we know that we should have boundaries and limits, but it's hard to know what those boundaries and limits are. So, Kristalina, the the question is, how can we even recognize if we don't have solid boundaries and limits? Well, one thing I've noticed these days is the world is constantly moving the goalpost of what is okay and what is not okay. And people are happy to oblige in following that. But what is okay for you and your family? What are you letting in? What do you know you should not be letting in? What friends should you be getting rid of? What things of the world should you be getting rid of? The boundaries aren't just with toxic people that maybe are causing a rot within us that we know is not good, that we need to kind of root up. It's not just with people, but it's also having boundaries of how much we're letting the world in, how much we're letting it dictate our lives, and how much our day-in, day-out faith is being affected by the lack of boundaries of 
we are people of God. We are not people of this world. So I'm not going to solve my problems like a person of this world because you'll end up frustrated. We need to solve our problems by being the people of God that we say we are and go to God for his help, for his counsel, for his advice to help us change the circumstances in our lives. And so many people don't know the difference between the two and they're left completely unsatisfied. You know, you talk about shifting goalposts when you first started that answer, Kristalina, and I wonder subconsciously, you know, how much are we letting the world lead our decisions instead of God without even knowing it? Where do we begin to evaluate that? Is it the world or is it God that's leading us down the path we're on? You know what? This is an example of when COVID and we were on lockdown and everything was happening and there was so much going on, and there still is so much going on, that I forgot to be joyful in my own home. I forgot that it's okay to be happy and loving and have good times within my home because there's so much bad going on. I almost felt guilty with what was happening, and I almost lost a sense of my own joy and happiness because I felt guilty in having that. But regardless of what is happening, God wants us to live in peace. God wants us to live out the purpose and plan that He's given us with joy and trust and not get caught up in that worry and that angst and what's to come and and always looking to the future because then we look past what's going on right in front of us in today. And I am so serious when I say this, that people don't take seriously when God asks them to do something, because if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that puts air in your lungs second by second is asking you specifically, Adam or Crystalina, to do something, and for some reason you ignore it and don't think it's that big of a deal, there's a serious problem in your life. And you probably are struggling in your life because if God is asking you to do something, it always is for a greater purpose and plan. And a lot of the times it's for you and other people outside of you. And there is a ripple effect because the day that that young gentleman came and my life was completely turned around, I had a choice to make. I had this temptation to say, you know what? I'm having too much fun right now. Not right now. Maybe later I'll get into all of this like chastity and purity and turn it around. But just maybe a little longer, I'll stay with it. If I would have done that, I know I never would have ended up turning my life around. I would never would have married Jason. I wouldn't have our children. And I frankly wouldn't be here talking with you. The decisions that you make day in and day out and the things that you say yes to or that you say no to hold weight and you have to take them more seriously in your life. You know, one of the things I think about are so many of the people in my life over the years who I, I say, you know, again, good old Catholic guilt coming in a.k.a. our consciences, right? And I, I say, you know, this is kind of weighing on me heavy here that I, I know I'm enjoying this. I know that it's really great hanging out with you all, but I think some of the things that I'm doing, probably not the best. And so maybe I'll go talk to another friend who's not involved with that and all, and they say, you know, Adam, look at the world around you. You're really not that bad of a guy. I mean, in comparison to everybody else, what you're doing, that's not that bad. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel bad about it. I mean, after all, you could be a much worst person. Whereas, like you said, if the King of Kings was here and he said, Adam, you know who you were created to be. You know who I'm calling you to be. Do you really want to go with, well, Lord, I know I'm not who you called me to be, but in comparison to some other people who really aren't what you called them to be, I'm okay with it. 
No. No, no! So, Crystalina, I, I guess the next question is this. We recognize all of this, and this is probably where we're going to leave off on, on our four-week discussion here. What is something we can do? You know, you, you were just talking about that turnaround moment for you. We're in the thick of it. What do we do so that we can let go of the unhealthy things, get away from the obstacles, get away from our weakness, and move towards the Lord so that we can grow in virtue and holiness? First and foremost, I'll always bring everybody back to confession as their starting point if they're perpetually struggling with a vice. And there was something I was constantly struggling with and struggling with. And in order to build up the muscle in this fight that you have, you have to be persistent and you have to show up to that fight. So you have to go to confession and get spiritually strong. You have to make conscious decisions every single day that you are not going to do what it is you know is not right and you know in your heart. You're not left to your own devices and you're not left with this big question mark. Deep down, you know, and you have to engage your will to do otherwise and pray in that moment. And I know all of this, a lot of people already know this, but even though they know it, they don't do it. And imagine a month from now or a year from now or even two weeks from now, if you really went after what the evil one is controlling you with and you slayed and you severed that control that he had over you, I know you would take a sigh of relief of that freedom that you would experience and that you could move forward in embracing becoming that man or that woman that God has created you to be because some of you are really missing out on some beautiful gifts and mission that he has for your life, settling for less when you know you deserve better and you're the only one that can get you out of that rut. It's the truth, friends. It's the truth. Having been there myself, I mean, Crystalina shared a little bit of her story. I'm going to tell you, I've been there myself. And and like I said a few weeks ago, Crystalina, sin makes you stupid. And I was really in the thick of that, making some bad decisions, all out of a desire to find acceptance, to feel wanted, to feel needed. And the more I thought I was going to do things that made me feel wanted and feel needed, the more I just kind of felt alone and empty and enslaved and hopeless saying, well, I know this isn't what I'm looking for, but I don't know any other way out. And it was finally through the grace that our Lord offered through his blessed mother, very specifically on August 5th of the year 2002, a day I will never, ever, Mm. ever forget that luckily I started to find freedom. And, you know, once you have a taste of freedom in the Lord, that's enough that to make you want more and God willing with his help turn your life around. So And I'm gonna tell you quickly, Adam, if you're using that phrase, it's not that bad, that's all I used to tell myself to justify my sin. Never say that again and cut the serpent's head off because whatever you're doing, it is your downfall. Yeah, as a teacher once said to us, if you uh, think, well, I wonder if I'm across the line, look about 200 yards behind you. That's where the line is now. Uh, so it's, it's not that bad. No, it is. Crystalina, these last few weeks have been wonderful. And friends, if you want to catch up on them, just go to our Roadmap to Heaven podcast. You can hear it pretty much about two hours after the show has gone off the air. We post the podcast. So wherever you get your podcast, on all the major podcast apps and services, we're out there. Just look up Roadmap to Heaven by Covenant Network. I look forward to our next time together. Uh, our conversations are always insightful for me, and, I, and I'm sure they are for our listeners. So thank you, Crystalina. Thank you for having me. I look forward to it.
And I'll tell you what, one other thing, friends, if you can't wait, if you can't wait, you say, no, I, I want to hear more of Crystalina sooner than that. Well, go to ourcatholicradio.org and, and click on the schedule tab. And I'm doing it right now. You can pull this up because on Saturday mornings, on Saturday mornings here on Covenant Network, you can listen to Crystalina's show, Women Made New. And it's a wonderful, wonderful show at 11 a.m. Central Time every Saturday here. Until then, you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to take a break. When you come back, we'll have more Roadmap to Heaven for you. Act of Faith. Oh my God, I firmly believe that Thou art one God and three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that Thy divine Son became man and died for our sins, and that He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because Thou hast revealed them who canst neither deceive nor be deceived. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. This week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, Patty Schneier has been sharing reflections on Our Lady of Sorrows and encouragements on Our Lady of Sorrows and the Blessed Mother. Patty, what's in store today? Well, yesterday I just talked about a great shrine called the National Sanctuary of Our Sorrowful Mother in Portland, Oregon. And I know that for most of our listeners, that's far, far away. Today I want to just share, again, I like to share about places and shrines where people can go. We have nearby us here in the Midwest, Our Lady of Sorrows in Starkenburg. It's a parish in Starkenburg, or it's a shrine in Starkenburg. It's a local shrine. It's in Montgomery County. It's near Herman, Missouri. It's a great outing, a great family outing, a little bit closer to home for most of our listeners. In this shrine, you will see the witness to the faith of the people, the plaques of all the gratitude for healing, and many of them are in German, in the German language, because originally the parish was settled by Germans. But I love seeing the crutches and the canes that are all around the perimeter of the church. It's this tangible reminder of physical healings that have taken place at this shrine, but it's called Our Lady of Sorrows, and it's a beautiful outing. So I like to encourage families to take these outings that are close to home. As we're talking about Our Lady of Sorrows, here's one that you can go to if you're in the Midwest, Our Lady of Sorrows in Starkenburg. Look that up. Another field trip for us today, but not really a a field trip. A pilgrimage, we should say. And Patty, I want to thank you for this idea. I have seen pictures of this church, and I can't wait to see its beauty in person. As we wrap up today, I would just like to encourage you today, especially, perhaps meditate upon the cross. This would be a good day to pray the stations of the cross. We normally pray those on Fridays. Some might say only during the season of Lent, but, you know, we can pray them every day of the year. In fact, I know several religious communities that do pray them each and every day. And what a great thing we could pray them today on the Feast of the Triumph of the Holy Cross. Also today, we do pray the glorious mysteries of the rosary, but before we pray those, perhaps you could pray the sorrowful mysteries too. The two are so closely linked. 
you really can't have the sorrowful mysteries without the glorious mysteries. The sorrowful mysteries without the glorious mysteries offer us no hope. But yet the glorious mysteries are what immediately follow. The resurrection, the ascension, the sending of the third person of the Holy Trinity to be with us, the wonderful Feast of Pentecost, Mary's Assumption, her coronation as Queen of Heaven. It's They just all go together. It, it would be like having cake without the icing. You know, it's just unthinkable. I've been thinking a lot about cake because we have a birthday in the house this weekend. And we had a big discussion last night about, you know, what kind of cake? Yellow cake, chocolate cake, white cake, strawberry cake. What kind of cake and what kind of icing? And do the two go together? Well, I assure you, the sorrowful mysteries and the glorious mysteries go together that they do. Tomorrow is the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, and so we will give some special attention to the Blessed Mother tomorrow on the show. Join us for that. It will be a wonderful morning together. And then Friday, we have the Roadmap Roundup for you. And we're going to have a new panelist, a new guest with us. And I am very much, pardon me, very much looking forward to that. The coffee hasn't kicked in yet this morning, and we need to get to that. I do want to encourage you as well as we get midway through this month of September. You know, it's a month to reflect upon stewardship, and uh, I know many of our parishes are reflecting upon stewardship this time of year, and it's a good time to ask that question. How am I doing with my time and my talent and my treasure? And it's very easy to perhaps lean very heavily on one of those columns. Well, you know, I, I give a lot of treasure, so I'm not going to give a lot of time, or I'm not going to use my talent um, or, you know, I give a lot of time, so I don't need to give a lot of treasure. You know, perhaps we've had those attitudes in the past. I know I certainly have, much to my uh, own sorrow. Examine, you know, examine what you're doing with your stewardship. I am going to take the time to sit down and do that with Beth. We're going to look at things, and it's good to do that once a year. It's good to do that more than once a year, but certainly once a year to say, where are we? Has anything changed in the past year? Are we doing what we're called to do? Are we doing what we're able to do? Do we need to look at new avenues? You know, are there new needs? Are there other needs that we've been giving to that perhaps have met their goal? And now we want to redirect that financial contribution elsewhere to another worthy cause. You know, that's certainly the case for us in one. We were part of a giving campaign to help build a chapel and believe they've met their goal. And so now the question is, do we want to redirect that elsewhere? It's, it's a good question to ask once a year. Also, what are we involved in? What are we involved in? How are we helping out? I guess I look at it this way. I've got four daughters playing soccer this year, and we've been receiving a lot of emails saying that there's going to be fewer games because there just aren't as many referees. And I use this example to say it's easy for me to sit on the sideline and complain, well, what am I paying for if we're going to get fewer games? Instead of asking the question, well, could I be a referee for some of the games? You know, not for my kids' teams, obviously, but so that other kids' teams could play? It's a question we should ask ourselves. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The question we should ask is, should I get involved instead of complaining? For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.